This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi everyone, Delfina Carey here from Be Made Whole and Maxwell Leadership. It's great to be with you today again. Today we are on part two of our series, Life Hacks to Fast Track Your Life. This series is based on a booklet that I wrote uh, with 31 days of new habits that will change the way you live. Today I want to talk about a few of those life hacks. At the end of the segment, I'll give you information where you can get the book if you want to get the all of them. But I will just do a few with you today. That will really help you. I believe these will at least get you on track for making positive changes that will change the way you live. So I want to give you the first life hack. This life hack says, just do it. I, I just love that saying. This is the Nike saying that I'm sure all of you have heard. And it's a principle I live by. I believe that you got to just do it. Sometimes you just got to take it on and do what needs to be done. You see, if we keep on giving into circumstances and waiting for circumstances to change, we're never going to get to the next level. We're never going to improve our lives and get better. It's so easy to get into a cycle of waiting for things to change. But if we keep on waiting for things to get better or things to change or for things to become more perfect or more conducive to what we want to do, then we're never going to end up doing anything. Because here's the thing. The circumstances are never perfect. They're never 100%. There's always something that's going to try to hinder us. And here's the thing. We just need to look at what we have got. Don't, don't look at all the things you don't have. Just take something. We always have something that we can use. Something that will make it possible for, for us to do something. To do one thing. Just do what you can. Someone once said, use what you got. That someone was a basketball player. And he was, I forget his name now, but he was a very tall basket play, uh, basketball player. He was like even taller than the basketball players, you know, really tall. And they were interviewing him one day and they asked him what he attributed his success to. And that was what he said. He said, just use what you got. So sometimes moving forward means we just have something small. We've got a small thing to use. And moving forward can feel like baby steps, you know, like one step, add, uh, time. I mean, it's like when you're driving 60 and it feels like you're walking, you know, that kind of thing. It just seems so slow. But here's the thing. As long as you're moving forward, you're making progress. Sometimes things move faster, but very often we find ourselves in situations where it just seems to be going so slow. But here's the thing. Just keep moving. Just don't stand still. In fact, I don't believe there's, uh, there's anything such as standing still for any length of time. Sometimes we might stand still for a short period of time while something is happening or, or, or in the process. There are short periods of, of waiting, but if you stand still or wait for any length of time that's, you know, out of uh, the ordinary, like longer than a day or a few minutes, or depending on the scenario, you, you don't wait indefinitely. When you start doing that, you're going to start sliding backwards. So basically, you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. John Maxwell once said, nothing is ever accomplished unless you do Something. And courage gives you the power to do something. End quote. So I want to encourage you today. Take courage. Do 
something. Another quote of Maxwell, which will leave this on a higher note. Uh, uh, he said this. He said, we're not supposed to leave footprints in um, our, we're supposed to leave our footprints in the sand, not our butt prints. <laughs> so don't leave your butt prints in the sand. Footprints. <laughs> on to the next life hack. This life hack says, write your autobiography. I think this is my favorite life hack in this whole book. I believe that everyone should write an autobiography. Because your autobiography is your history book. It's your story. It's there for all the generations that come after you. Just think about it. Your grandchildren, or you might have known your grandchildren, but what about your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren, those generations after you? They can know about you even though they didn't meet you. Meet you. They might never have met you. You could have been gone by the time they came on the scene, but they'll know who you were. Just think about that for a little bit. Think about families. Each generation down your bloodline going backwards now, imagine if they, each one, wrote an autobiography about their lives. You would have known your whole family history. From one generation to the next, you would have been able to go back and know things about your family and about your past, about the legacy that that you've come into. It's written. It's recorded. They'll know who you were. They'll know what you stood for. They'll know what you did. And maybe what you didn't do, that you should have done. <laughs> How inspiring that would be. I would have loved to have had autobiographies of my grandparents. And even my great-grandparents. Anyone before. Now, uh, of course, through my parents and other family members and friends of the family, I've heard the stories told about them. And, and, and that's good. But the point is that so much has been lost because it wasn't recorded. So write an autobiography of your life. Not to make money or to brag. It's nothing like that. Some autobiographies do make a lot of money. Especially, you know, you never know. You might become famous one day. And then that autobiography will be even bought by people. But that's not the reason why we write an autobiography. The right reason to do it is so that your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and all those after them will know who you were. That's how history was made. Think about it. It's because things were recorded. And if you're going to write an autobiography, don't just make it a depressing story. Take advantage. When you're writing, put in the things that you learned, the, quest the lessons you learned. Make a point of living your life trying to improve as a person, improve your character, your strength, and all that knowledge that you can pass on your wisdom and your insight to all the generations after you. It's about the legacy that you leave to them. Don't let it be a story of defeat. Let it be a story of victory and of growth, something that can inspire those generations after you. They can read about you. They can find out how you overcame challenges, all the challenges you faced in the various areas of your life, how you achieved success in, in other areas of your life. And they can also learn from your mistakes, the lessons you learned. I mean, think about if I made a mistake and I can share that lesson that I learned, my great-great-great-grandchild might be on, on the path to making that same mistake. And they read my story and they can learn a lesson and they can avoid that mistake. They don't have to make all the same mistakes I made. You would be impacting generations down your line whether you knew them or not. So write your autobiography. 
On to the next life hack. This life hack says, fault finders lose. I want to talk about criticism. Criticism causes division in any environment. Nothing good comes out of criticism. And division in relationships is the start of everything breaking down. Criticism causes division and the division causes the breakdown of relationships. So let's define the fault finder a bit just to be clear on exactly what we're talking about here. A fault finder is someone who always sees the negative in any situation. They always tend towards the negative. They're quick to point out the faults of other people. They're very assertive, but always in the negative. To criticize, to see fault, that kind of negativity. And pessimism is actually a trait of a fault finder too. Before they go outdoors, they look out the window and they say, it's too windy. Then they stay indoors in their comfort zone. They seem to find something wrong with almost everything. And not only that, but they're really hard to please, aren't they? I take you a bet you are thinking of some people you know. I'm thinking of someone right now. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm that person. <laughs> the thing with, with these kind of people is that, you know, if you do it, then you shouldn't have done it. Or you did it wrong. Or your timing was wrong. If you didn't do it, then you should have done it. When you say something, you use the wrong words. Or how about you shouldn't have said it at all? How exhausting. I mean, I'm sure you're getting tired just thinking about it right now. Just me saying all these things. You're getting, oh, I'm getting tired. Let me tell you this. If you really, really, really want to be grumpy, it's easy. Just be critical and it won't be long and you'll be miserable. I don't know if you'll have any friends left, though. You might just find yourself all alone. No one wants to be around a fault finder. People like to be around positive energy that stimulates and energizes. Negative energy ties you out. It drains you of all your energy and your zest for life. Now, I've been elaborating a whole lot on this uh, fault finder, but there's a reason for it. It's for each one of us to do a self-check. Make sure, we got to make sure that we don't qualify for a fault finder. Because here's the thing, fault finders lose. You don't want to lose. You want to win. Who doesn't want to win? I don't know anyone who actually goes around saying, I don't want to win. I actually want to lose. No, you want to win. And fault finders lose. So we don't want to be fault finders. Now, there's nothing wrong with being assertive. Just make sure that your assertiveness is also active in the good, on the good side, on the positive side, to see the good in people and in situations, to be thankful, to be, have a heart of gratitude, to express the good side. Use your gift of assertiveness to find solutions to problems. How about that? That's a great gift. Use it to find the good in people, to uplift them when they're down. That's a good trait. Use it on yourself. Use it to discern when to speak and when not to speak. You can use it to be sensitive to where people are at as well. Think about this. That assertiveness is actually a great gift. And when it's used correctly, it becomes a valuable tool in the hand of a craftsman. I'll put it this way. Use your tools right. It would be me who says that growing up in a hardware store. I'm used to tools. Use your tools right. If there's one thing I know, it's that if you try to 
hit a nail into the wall with a screwdriver, it's not going to work. You need a hammer. In the same way you try to use a hammer to turn in a screw, it's not going to work. You need a screwdriver. So use your tools right. And that's the difference between a fault finder and a very insightful, prudent, and wise person. The fault finder just sees the negative. The wise person uses their assertiveness as a valuable tool to build and to bring positive change. That's the key, to build and to bring positive change. On to the next life hack. This is the last one for today. This life hack says, apologize when you should. Do you know what happens when you apologize sincerely? A sincere apology. I'm not talking about that apology where people say, oh, I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, when people apologize without that, uh, um, without the sincerity in it, it's just lip service. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a sincere apology. When we apologize, the relationship is restored. If we never apologize, when, when I'm talking about when we're wrong now, then slowly but surely, the other person builds a wall between us and them. And our connection begins to deteriorate. Now, if apologizing is so powerful that it can hold a relationship together in difficult times, then it begs the question, why don't some people apologize then? If it's such a great thing to do, if it's so powerful, why don't some people apologize? Well, I believe one reason could be that they might be convinced that they're, they're right. They've done nothing wrong. Opinions differ and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. People have different perspectives and they see things differently. So that's fair. But I believe that's not actually the right question to ask. The question should be, when should I apologize? It's not a why question. It should be a when question. I want to just define the term apology before I answer that question. The term apology can be defined as a regretful acknowledgement of a failure or an offense. A failure or an offense. That's the key. I believe that the time to apologize is not only when we realize we're wrong, but also when we realize that we've unduly offended someone. Maybe we didn't say anything wrong. There was nothing wrong in our words, but that person perceived it in a different way and they got offended. Often you, you, you pick it up on the facial expression. They have a reaction and you realize, oh, they, did, they, they took it up wrong. What do we do then? That's the time. That's the time to apologize. We could just say something like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Or I'm sorry, let me just clarify what I meant. Or no offense, apologies, no offense meant. And you move on. You do quick, short and sweet. You don't have to you know, grovel and go into a pit of despair because that person got offended. You just nip it in the bud, short and sweet, and move on. Because here's the thing. If you don't apologize, you might find yourself stuck there. You might find the relationship stuck. So I want to say apologize so you can move on. Do you want to move on? Everyone wants to move on, actually. That's probably a dumb question. Of course you want to move on. But apologize and then you'll move on. And that, that's the end of our life hacks for today. Next week, we're going to uh, wrap it up with a few more life hacks and we'll finish the series. 
in the meantime, if you want to get the book or if you want to get more information on the books that I've written, you can go to bemadewhole.co.za. You'll find my courses there, which are mostly Maxwell Leadership courses and my own course, as well as all the books, including this book, Life Hacks to Fast Track Your Life. They're available as downloads and hard copies. Uh, the hard copies can be delivered to your door, or if you live near a Bright Hardware store, you can pick one up at uh, selected Bright Hardware stores and all that information's on the website, and you can pick it up at the tills there when you're shopping. Uh, the blog is also there, and on the blog you'll find the recordings of all these series that I'm doing on the radio. So if you sign up for the blog, then you can uh, get notifications when those go up literally a day or two after being aired. They'll be available on the podcast or on the blog, which has got the podcast on there as well. So uh, that's that. And then also social media, which is um, all my uh, personal development and life tips that will help you. My regular life um, tips for living on a higher plane that you'll find there. So you can uh, connect with me there. And community transformation is there as well. And there you will see what Be Made Whole is doing in South Africa as well as other countries of Africa. Thank you so much. Please join me again next week as we wrap up the series Life Hacks to Fast Track Your Life. Thank you. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.